Hi there, so I'm Alex Milway. I've just finished Johnny Macintosh and the Spirit of London, and I wanted to ask Keith Mansfield a few questions. So first off, Keith, hello, by the way. Hi, Alex. Uh, um, Johnny Macintosh has a great deal of science and sci-fi within its pages. Did you like science at school? Oh, crumbs. Um, um, really, I liked everything at school. That, um, that was... My my secret confession, I could have been a, a terrible spot, but I was lucky that I played football as well, and so I was always captain of the school football team, and so it didn't matter that, that I liked science and particularly maths and strange things like that. And so I did like them, and I ended up doing double maths, physics, chemistry, <laughs> A-level, um, and then I, I did maths and physics at university, and... Yeah, I mean, Johnny Johnny McIntosh, he's about... I've been trying to tell a story, and at the heart of it, it's about entertainment and imagination, but I, I, I do have a sort of very secondary agenda that it's nice if I can sort of put some real science in there as well. But so he's I've also actually that. quite like you, then, uh, in that he plays <laughs> football as the, in, his, <laughs> in his team, and he likes his sciences. Well, you could say that. In a way, I couldn't possibly comment, but... Um, and, and people say, right, what you know. Um, I think maybe right from what you know is is perhaps a better adage. And all the other characters in the book, I did actually actively think about them and how they might react in certain situations and what they do and how they would say things and try and give them character traits or mannerisms but I suppose my deep secret confession that I probably shouldn't <laughs> tell you or announce on here um, is is that for Johnny I, I just wrote it's Johnny <laughs> as as I would react to things hopefully doing the sort of things that I would do in that situation without without much thought so so, so, so he's based around me a little and uh, next question, then. Have you always wanted to be a writer? And what inspired you to write Johnny Mac? I think... Um, I certainly grew up wanting to be a writer and expecting to be a writer and writing a lot of stuff. And I, I've still got notebooks that go back to creative writing, even at junior school where I would tell stories about adventures in space and back in time and and dinosaurs and all that sort of thing. And Johnny so Mac actually came back from a tape recording you recorded from a story when you were a teenager, is that right? And and that's that's right, there's quite a similar story um, that I called the Terran scenario about a boy who is kidnapped by aliens and then How old were you then? I was I was sixteen then. Um, and, and 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 so I recorded a story along Johnny Macintosh's lines and that stayed with me for a while because um, as, um, I mean so I've always written in notebooks and kept notebooks but I've sometimes kept tapes as well and when I was at university I I also made tapes with ideas and and when I play those back now they're referring to that same Terran scenario right. story was what I called it with Johnny Macintosh and when I left university and I suppose that might have been the time to to try and make my mark as a writer. I decided the way to do that was to get into the publishing business, and so that's 
where I went. Um, and actually, in a way, that sort of sapped my, my strength <laughs> as, as a writer, and, and I, I ended up working on other people's books and not my own. So how long ago was it that you started writing Johnny McIntosh? Was it Ooh, a few years? It was probably probably four or five years ago. Yeah, I think I think it was 2004 that I actually seriously sit and down you and finish? thought I'd do that. And I finished it... Well, I, I finished the first version probably... Um, early 2006 or something right. and I was so happy and I thought I can't believe that because it was um, quite quite a long thing I'd never written anything comparable at all um, and of course I sent it straight out to people but and and though there was surprisingly in some ways a fair amount of interest because people liked the idea and the writing wasn't terrible no one no, no one took it up, and it took a lot of rewrites and redrafting um, over many months. And I really, I finished it properly it, at least a year later. And then, and then finally, it was more ready. Of course, I'd still change some things now. <laughs> that, that's the problem with writing; it's it's become infinitely editable. You can never so stop, you can, can you? Know? Exactly. Yeah. So there are aliens and there are UFOs in your book. What uh-huh. else is a reader likely to find? Okay, yep, there are, there are aliens from kind of the initial space pirates um, abducting people to... Uh, the Krun, yeah. The Krun, um, that, that's right. And then there's even a galactic empire and an emperor and uh, almost a galactic civil service and then another galaxy, the Androm- Andromedans as well. But it's not just about space and and sci-fi um, so Johnny, it's based on Earth isn't it, it and, 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 and so it is and, and Johnny's able to travel through time as well and though, though not necessarily deliberately and so he goes back to he goes back an awfully long way in time 65 million years which is around, around about the, the, last, the end times of the dinosaurs um, and then he goes forward to the the lost civilization of Atlantis. So he's there as well, and then he's back here on Earth too. Um, so he gets around, but he always always comes back to Earth in the end. <laughs> so there are plenty of gadgets and uh, aliens with special abilities and, and and things like that in your books. Uh, which one particularly would you like to have? Ooh, and I can't have them all. No, you I'm, can't have them all. No, no. well, let's say something first. Like there's well, a spaceship. There's a. Th- th- that's right. Um, J- Johnny has a spaceship. Um, he has and, an android. Yeah, and and an android helper, Alf, um, and and his sister has a special ability that she can fold space itself, which comes in very handy. Whereas Johnny, he acquires the ability to speak in or understand any language that's pretty good and then they and that's because of an alien isn't it that's an alien life from the and and that is because of an alien and it's a gift that this alien it's called a hundra um it's sort of passes on to him um where the the hundra is a is a very ancient creature that can translate the, the languages of of most of the races in in the galaxy uh, but it's been held prisoner on a spaceship by the the very nasty Krun for a long time, and it would like 
to be able to see some of the wonders of space again. And so what it does is it splinters off a tiny fragment of its own soul which passes into Johnny. And and so through that, the Hundra is able to kind of live in the galaxy again and through it, Johnny is able to understand language. And what a great ability. That's a very useful thing. And you wouldn't have to take French or German like classes again. So that, that that's pretty you cool. You can talk to animals. And, and you can talk to animals. I mean, Johnny is able... Where animals are quite intelligent in the book, he is able to understand them a little and and particularly there are some dinosaurs in the book that Johnny is able to speak with um, so which one which but, one would you like to have but my choice out of all the things what I've always wanted I, I suppose would be to have my own spaceship I think there's in the shape of the huge, London Gherkin I, I, and there's, <laughs> there's a huge galaxy let alone universe out there and it's such a waste that I can't go and see it and <laughs> And I think having one in the shape of the Gherkin, which is my favourite building as well as Johnny's favourite building, then then that would be doubly cool. I think one of the interesting things I find about books is all the different names and, and where writers mm. actually get their names from. And you've got a lot of very interesting names in your book. So uh, one of my favourites oh. is, is the, the tera- uh, Pterodon. Is that right, Pterodon? And uh-huh. there are two of them, one called Terry and another <laughs> called Donna. <laughs> Um, so, where do you get your names from? And, and so the Pterodons, Terry and Donna, that's kind of obvious. Um, and it's, it's interesting, some of the names in the book are quite random. I mean, Johnny McIntosh himself was, in a way, it was just a placeholder. I just made that name up on the spur of the moment and thought... I needed a name to start writing this book and I'd change it when I thought of the real name later but then once you start once you're kind of you're you're stuck with it Um, a lot of the incidental characters in the book just have random names I wanted them to sound authentic so I've kind of adapted them I, I think a lot from from people I was at junior school with because it's so the kind of story that would some of your friends um, would they be able to pick their names out? In, 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 in a way, I, I think I think some of them would be able to pick their their names out for sure. Uh, <laughs> but then others, I did think about a lot more carefully. So, for instance, in Atlantis, you have Queen Neath and her cat Alf, and and I thought that was quite interesting because um, we know about Atlantis from. Plato, who is a Greek philosopher, and Plato knows about Atlantis through Solon, who is a founding father of Athens, and Solon heard about Atlantis through Egyptian philosophers. He went to Egypt and he talked to them. And so I kind of figured Atlantis would be a bit like ancient Egyptian civilization, but even older and even further back. Um, And so Queen Neith, who's ruling Atlantis in the book um, is, Neith is the name of about the very first Egyptian deity um, who started all of that off and her cat Alf is oh, that's spelled, that's spelled A-U-F. A-U-F so it's a bit of an unusual name and it's quite an Egyptian name and before the Egyptian gods and goddesses kind of came into their own Ra who who ultimately I think ended up ruling the the Egyptian gods he spent half his time travelling in the underworld under the name Alf 
oh, bringing okay. bringing some light to people, and so I just picked it from there. And then Nasea is a, is a talking dolphin there, and Nasea is one of the. Um, I think they're called nereids, they're Greek sea nymphs. Oh, and they used the to travel on dolphins. And, and there are a lot of constellations that t- tie in with that. So, so there's lots of history and science. So, so, so there's kind of a bit of thought behind that, trying to invoke the feeling of kind of an ancient civilization in those names. Um, whereas, say, Catherine Heratunian came about... Um, that's the real name of somebody I know <laughs> and I have asked her permission <laughs> and and I was talking to an agent about the book and she wanted it to be more American she said it was too English at the moment and so I, I thought I would bring in this American character of the social worker Catherine Heratunian um, and I'd worked very closely with this woman. She was kind of the the figurehead of the American office of where I worked. And so she uh, symbolised okay. all <laughs> things American to me. And so when I was told to make the book more American... How did it, she feel about it, being involved it, in the book? It was the only thing. I think, I think she's... Um, she's quite a nice character. She, it's not... It, yeah, she it's she, she is. And, and there may be more to her than meets mm. the eye anyway as we, as we <laughs> go through different books. Um, so I, I feel I've given her a, a decent start <laughs> and, and she's quite pleased. And we had a great time working together. So it's, it's nice to be able to remember people in that way. So London plays a key role in the books. Um, why exactly do you like London? And obviously you're a Londoner yourself, but um, what is it about the place? Well, I mean, I'm not a Londoner by birth, but I've been here about ten years. Um, and I, I never thought I'd end up in London, but, um, but eventually, eventually I came down here. Um, I, mean, I don't feel it's that key to the book but there are certain landmarks and things um, and obviously the London Gherkin is is one of them um, and I, mean, I, mean, I do love the place as a city and it's and I, I, I think I said earlier about writing about what you know or writing from what you know and yeah. so if you can set something in your locale, then it makes it easier rather so, than having to travel to do research or you can walk down the road, e- or even it. worse, <laughs> have to make something up. So, which would be terrible, of course. So, so it's it's good having. But it does provide a, a basis. That, you know, reading the book, you get this mm-hmm. kind of sense that London exists. London is real. Yeah, and I, then you go off mm-hmm. on these adventures to places that are unreal. So at least I, you've always got that. And route. that's really important to me. I'm so glad you said that because it's it's important that the book's not just fantasy a long time ago in the galaxy far away it's here and it's now and it could be happening all around you and if you look carefully maybe you will see some of it happening and when you look at the London Gherkin which um, I suppose I can say for the purposes of this <laughs> is and Johnny's spaceship the spirit of London is a, is a carbon copy of the London Gherkin and when he's on earth it's that which we're looking at and the real Gherkin's folded off into hyperspace very cleverly by, by Johnny's sister um, and so all these things are happening here which in a way I suppose it was a bit like Harry Potter and Platform 9 and 3 quarter and then where the Ministry of Magic is and things like yeah. that I think for children they want to imagine they don't want to read a story that happens to someone else they want to read a story where it it could start happening to them and and so 
by setting it in somewhere that's physically real that they could come and see and visit and be part of. Well, it's lovely coming in over the train um, to London Bridge today and seeing the the building in the distance and thinking, that could be a spaceship right now. Well, and more and more of my friends or people who are reading the book are are pointing that out. And so (laughs) I hope hope the whole world starts thinking of the gherkin as a spaceship. (laughs) Then, Then I'll have done okay. Uh, nice quick question here. Dinosaurs obviously have a great part in the book. Uh, what's your favourite? Ooh, but I'm not sure that I really have a favourite dinosaur because I, I, I think I think this is a case where Johnny's more into dinosaurs <laughs> than, than I am. So he's less me and he's more himself. Um, and and he instantly recognises the first dinosaur that he sees in the book and he knows it's an ankylosaurus and he's not afraid of it because he knows it's a vegetarian and it's not going to eat him even though it's about five times as big as he is whereas they've got a big club end on they their have tail. got a big club end on their tail mm. and I, I'm not sure I would have been as confident <laughs> as him I mean I do love the pterodons which are, are like pterodactyls um, because they can fly and being able to fly would be a wonderful thing um, and I suppose my favourite was probably the Triceratops because oh, it's so recognisable with its horny shield head um, and, and so I've always liked that and that wouldn't eat you either because that's another no, vegetarian so, so that's good Triceratops, good answer so, okay. <laughs> and so uh, Johnny Mac is part of a series I, I hear uh, are you currently writing he on is. a second Yep, so I'm, I'm working on the second. I've provisionally called it Johnny Macintosh and the Fountain of Time. Mm. So you can see a theme beginning to de- develop there. Um, and I'm really lucky. I've, I've, I'm Hardly anybody gets to write one book. And then I, I got contracted by those lovely people at Quirkers to write three books. And so I've got three planned initially. And yet, in fact, my idea for the series always went beyond that to have five or six books. So I'm I'm working towards that, mm. and I it's hope I time. get the chance to finish it. Okay, then final question, and I've touched on a few of these things, but um, which one of these is more likely to be true? Atlantis really existed. There are aliens already among us, already. or time travel is possible. And. And can I just say what a brilliant question I think that is. I really love it. Um, and, and something that people who aren't physicists even and just don't seem to understand is that time travel is completely possible and we've known it's been possible for over a century now uh, and there are no physical limitations to it from Einstein's special theory of relativity which has been tested over and over again and all you need to do to travel into the future is travel very fast and the closer to the speed of light you get the slower through time you progress so in theory it's just an engineering problem it's not a science problem you could build a very fast rocket ship or something and travel a hundred or a thousand or a million years into the future and traveling backwards and aha and there's the catch (laughs) there's there's the nerve so you can go forward and we know how to go forward we absolutely don't know how to go back um i think the strongest evidence that you can't go back 
is that there's no evidence that there are people here from the future maybe maybe our time's just so boring that they don't want to be here or maybe their technology is just so advanced that they're hidden away um or maybe i i a lot of people have speculated about traveling backwards in time and and they've said that you'll only be able to do that from the point at which you build your time machine. So maybe we need to build it first and then we can revisit and revisit. Um, so time travel, forward, yes. Backwards, tricky. Atlantis is interesting because... I mean, people used to think Troy was as mythical as Atlantis, and then and then people found Troy. Um, I think in um, various magazines around the turn of the millennium, it was what's going to happen in the 21st century, and a lot of predictions were that the actual site of Atlantis might be found. Uh, so I don't think it's out of the question. Are there aliens among us now? <sighs> Ah, and part of me would like to think so part of me would think that's quite <laughs> scary um, I think probably not I think there's unquestionably aliens out there I think the universe is way too big it's inconceivable that there couldn't be other life forms out there but the distances are so big and unless you have something like the ability to fold space it is quite difficult to travel in our um, sort of four-dimensional space-time between between the stars, so so maybe they won't ever come here. Um, but that would be sad. a shame. It would be sad. <laughs> no, I'd like to meet them. I think you'll broaden our horizons. Well, um, thank you ever so much, Keith. It's been and a pleasure. You. It's been my pleasure too.